we welcome you into another edition of State Lines, where you get the best gambling information out there. He is Kevin Berger. My name is Jason Gotch. Hard to believe we are in the part of the year where the NFL takes a little bit of a break. You got the rookie minicamps going on, the OTAs wrapping up, and then we're going to get, before we know it, in a training camp in mid-July. But we've still got a ton of football for you from the NFL perspective. We're also going to mix in Major League Baseball, but we still like to talk NFL because there's a lot of futures on the board. This is the time of the year. You can do your research. There's a lot of different options. If you have a belief, I love to talk about this time of the year being where you focus on your long-term season bets for this reason. When you bet an individual game, you have a lot of things going against you. You you might have a bad ref call. You might have bad weather. You might have somebody just have a brain cramp, and you lose a game on a bad beat. We all know about the bad beats. We've all been there. When you bet a season total, that stuff evens itself out. Let's say you had, I don't know, let's make up a team right now. Let's say the Bears for eight wins this year, and they just uh, there's a terrible call at the end of week three. Well, you know what? That's probably going to even out over the course of the 17-game season. So, again, the futures bet sometimes they take the bad luck out of things and you separate the contenders from the pretenders based on a long sample size that you're going to get in that situation. But, Kev, the way we want to start it off this week, uh, let's talk about we're going to focus in on a couple of divisions uh, each week to get you ready for the start of the season. So let's start it off. Let's focus on the East, the NFC East and the AFC East here uh, for this program. And we'll start it with the NFC East. The Cowboys are plus 125 to win it. Uh, the Washington football team plus 260. The Giants are plus 350. And the Eagles are plus 500. A lot of quarterback issues in the division other than Zach uh, or Dak Prescott, rather. you got a lot of other issues for some of these teams quarterback-wise. Uh, give me your thoughts, Kev. What do you think about the NFC East? Do you see a bet you like up there? Do you see a sleeper play from one of the long shots? How does that shake out for you? Um, well, Jason, to be honest, I wish that we could just pass because that division is crap, um, for lack of a better word. Um, but in all honesty, I would probably take a Washington. You said Washington was, did you say plus 250? Plus 260. Oh, plus 260. Yeah, I would take plus 260. Um, I'm not going to take the Eagles because the Eagles have their, have way too many issues to even count right now. Um, the Giants, I don't believe in the Giants right now. I think they're still quite a ways away from being able to take that division. Um, Logic would say the Cowboys because they probably had the most talent uh, on the team at least, but their defense is always hurt and their offense constantly underperforms. Um, So, yeah, I would probably take Washington. I think Ron Rivera is going to have another year under his belt. He's going to be able to straighten that team out a little bit more. Um, Also, um, speaking of Washington, Jason, I really do need to try to find um, uh, prop. It is what, when, do we know when they're going to be announcing the new uh, team, uh, team name? I have football team. I, you know what, Kev? I don't know. I heard it might be sometime this year, and then they do it for 2022. But there's rumblings they're going to keep Washington football no, team as a name. It's insane. So... I know it's nuts. Ugh. It's nuts. It's it. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Get a mascot. I mean, you had one for a long time. You dumped it on short notice. Now go ahead and get another one. Washington football team. This isn't European soccer. It's not the Washington football no. team. Pick a mascot. I'm with you on this division, though. You know what? I'm going to go a little bit of a surprise here. I'm going to take the Eagles plus 500 for this reason. I am impressed with none of these teams. Look, Mike McCarthy is a bad football coach and he's still coaching the Cowboys. I don't trust them. Uh, The Washington football team, I think they're probably a year away and maybe they got a better shot than the Eagles, but I don't like their odds as much. Uh, The Giants, the quarterback issues they've had there in recent years, 
Uh, leave a lot to be desired. Daniel Jones has not shown. Daniel Jones has not shown me that he's an NFL quarterback. And then you got the Eagles probably with Jalen Hurts starting for them. We'll have to see. But again, this is one of those where it's it's like, you know, the roulette wheel. You just throw it on there on the longest shot. You want to bet one of the, you know, the 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 longest shots. You just throw it on there and you say, I, I want to win some big money. So that's what I'm going to do. Eagles probably don't win it. I don't think they're a great play as far as on paper. But compared to these teams, why not? So I'm going to go ahead and take the Eagles uh, plus 500, 5 to 1. Now, the AFCs, Kev, a little more interesting here. And I say that because the Bills are the favorite, minus 150. The Dolphins are plus 325. But the Patriots ruled that division for two decades before Tom Brady left for New, uh, left New England for Tampa Bay last year. They're now the Patriots plus 350. And the Jets are plus 2,000. So it's hard to believe we're talking here at the start of a season where the Patriots are not the favorite to win the AFC East. But that's indeed the case. And the Bills, of course, made it all the way to the AFC Championship game last year before they lost to the Chiefs. Um, well, I mean, if the sports, uh, the sports fan and like sports broadcaster in me says the Bills, because I think the Bills are easily the best team in that division. Um, but if I were going to be spending my money, I would probably take the Patriots, you know, throw a hundred bucks down to win three, to get 300 back. Uh, cause I, Jason, I find it very hard to believe that a Bill Belichick coach team is going to have a down year like that two years in a row. Um, now they kind of have an idea as to what sort of talent they're going to need now that they don't have Brady anymore. Uh, hopefully Cam Newton is going to be healthier this offseason. I know they have Mac Jones is going to be the rookie quarterback. Um, who knows how long it's going to take for him to get on the field. But um, I find it very hard to believe that uh, Bill Belichick coach team is going to have a down year like that two years in a row. So give me the plus 300 and I'll take, uh, I'll take the Patriots. All right, Kevin's on the Patriots. I'm going to go on the Bills here. I don't normally like playing favorites in the futures unless I'm really confident, but I am here with Buffalo. I, I think they're the best team. Even if Josh Allen doesn't stay healthy, Mitchell Trubisky is not a horrible backup. He's not a good starter, but he's not a terrible backup. Uh, the Bills are good on both sides of the football. And again, when Josh Allen's healthy, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. Miami still got some issues at quarterback is two of the answer down there. Uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets, that's a complete rebuild right now. And Kevin's on to something with the Patriots. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they win this division. If, if the Bills don't win it, I think it will be the Patriots. And it wouldn't surprise me if Mac Jones is the starter there. If not week one, sometime this season, he does pretty well. Seems like a Belichick type of fit for that offense. Brady-style quarterback as far as uh, the, the type of passing game he would run. Obviously, a lot to prove before he becomes Tom Brady, but similar styles of quarterback play. So I'm going to go with the Bills. I'll lay the 150 to win an additional 100. We'll go with Buffalo. This is State Lines. I'm Jason Gotch. He is Kevin Berger. Let's go to some fun ones here, Kev, with the NFL. We got some season specials up there. Let's start with the bad, the Detroit Lions, their new coach, Dan Campbell. I like this guy. He's a throwback. He's one of those guys who, you know, you think of him, he try and make guys run through a brick wall. He's a former player in the National Football League. He was a tight ends coach for a long time. Uh, so he's taken over in Detroit, and he actually wants to put a real lion on the sidelines for Lions games. Hey, why not? It would make things interesting as long as that, that poor lion's in a cage. I think that'd be okay. If not, uh, it might literally scare the opponents. It would. I mean, you, you got a live lion on the field. But regardless, I don't think that happens in 2021. Maybe if it was 1950, they would allow that. Not in 2021. In fact, I think the Lions used to have a cub on the sideline in the, gonna, the long-ago days. I was going to say, Jason, I think uh, the health and safety people would 
would probably have a little bit of a problem with that. I'm sure the EPA would have an issue with it. Um, those animal rights groups would have a problem with it. I think I think I don't think it would just scare the opposing team, Jason. I think it would scare the I think it would scare his own team as well to have a lion prowl in the sidelines. So uh, like I told you and producer John before we started, if if this happens, the next thing we're gonna see is Michigan is gonna have a a live Wolverine on the sideline for Michigan games, and we all know that would be an absolutely awful idea. Can you imagine if the Lions had this live line and a guy's lining up to kick like a forty yard game winning field goal, and they have the lion right at the back line of the end zone by the goalpost, just kind of staring that kicker down? That would probably be one of the most intimidating kicks anybody's ever well, tried well, in the NFL. You, you no, know, you know what would be even worse is what if you're a kick turner like opening kickoff and you know you're standing like right near the goal line because you know every every because every kicker can pretty much boot it through the end zone and you're thinking as the kick returner i really especially if the lions just stand there you near the goals i really hope this ball does not hit that line because that line's gonna want to lash out at the near at the nearest thing and that nearest thing is me And if the Lions really want to get creative, have that Lion pace up and down the sideline with the handler on their side of the field. The opponent will never run a play towards the Lions side of the field because what player wants to dive towards the sideline and have a live Lion there? Well, I mean, Akeem Hicks might. Akeem Hicks from the Bears might. Yeah, there's a few guys who would. There's a lot of other guys who would say, yeah, you better run that play to our sideline, not the Lions' sideline. So probably no live Lion this year. Maybe if they got a Cub from the zoo, that would be different, but probably no live Lion. But will the Lions be alive in the standings this year? Because there's a bad bet actually up on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Detroit Lions to have an 0-17 record this year. Plus 2,800, no is minus 10,000. Oh. Uh, got to lay a lot of money to get the no here, Kev, but what do you think? Would you Do you think the Lions are going to go 0-17? No, no. They, they, I mean, Jason, they are the Detroit Lions, but they're not that bad. Like, that, that I, I actually, honestly, the t- if I could see any team going 0-17 at all, oof, that, that, that's actually a tough one. I would probably say the Jacksonville Jaguars, if anybody would go 0-17 this year, I would pay, I would put my money on them. But uh, no, I would definitely take no. I don't think the Lions are that bad. I mean, they do have Jared Goff as their quarterback, but Jared Goff's not that bad, so no. Yeah, that's a good point. See, you don't have a rookie or some guy who's terrible. I know Jared Goff's overrated, and they gave him way too much money when he was with the Rams, but he's not an 0-17 bad quarterback. He's more of a 6-10, 7-9. and he's not Joey Harrington. Yeah, no Joey Harrington. No, I mean, no Dan Orlovsky. No Dante Culpepper getting signed off the street when the Lions actually were 0-17 back in, what was that, 2008. So, no, I'm with you here. I, I wouldn't bet it because I'm not laying 10000 to win 100 but I don't think the Lions are going 0-17. Now, how about the Buccaneers? Team to have a 17-0 record. Buccaneers plus 5,000 to go perfect in the regular season. They're minus 10,000 to at least have one loss. What do you think? Um, ooh. I mean, I guess I, guess I would say that if there was going to be a team that would uh, be able to get a perfect season this year, I would say it's uh, it would be a Tom Brady-led team because it's not like he hasn't had one of those before in the regular season. He did have it before. Obviously, this is way back. Uh, was that 2008? I believe it was like 2008, 2009, the uh, Patriots team with him and Randy That was 07. That was 07, oh, yeah. And I'm just taking a look at their schedule right now. So, I mean, on paper, I mean, they got the, Cow- uh, uh, the Cowboys, Falcons, of course. Obviously, they're going to play them twice. 
Rams, they do play the Patriots, Bucks, Bears, Eagles, Saints. Uh, honestly, Jason, I think the numbers are looking in their favor. Again, I know you and I have talked about this before that pre preseason and looking at that sort of stuff, it's that you got to be careful with it. But I mean, yeah, I would, I would, I would take, uh, I would bet on uh, the Bucks being able to go seventeen and zero. Why not? Okay, so you're locked in for the Bucks. That's a good payout right there. I, I'm not going to bet it because I just don't think it's going to happen. But I, I would say no. I Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. Uh, the Buccaneers at times, I mean, they lost to the Bears in Chicago last year with Nick Foles at quarterback. I think they're a very good team. But I also think when you win a Super Bowl, a lot of times you're not thinking about 17-0. and I mean, that's a lot. And that's a lot harder than 16-0, and too. That undefeated season's got, got, a whole, got a whole lot harder with that extra game. Because I mean, you, you get that bullseye in your back when you, when you get close to it. But I, I just, I don't think they're focused on that. I think they're focused on repeating. So I'm going to say no on that one. Now, here's a special for you, a couple of them. You Tim Tebow fans out there, I'm with you. I'm one of you. He's back in the league officially. The day we taped this show, State Lines, Tim Tebow is officially signed on with the Jaguars. One-year deal. Minimum contract. They're going to try him out at tight end. Long shot to make the team. The Jaguars have a bunch of guys trying out for tight end. That's the bad news for Tebow. The good news is they really don't have a good tight end. So uh, Urban Meyer brings his guy who was so good to him at the University of Florida to Jacksonville. Urban Meyer was raving about him in some uh, interviews recently. But again, Tebow, a long shot to make the team. So Kev, I give you this one. Player total receiving yards. This is in the entire season for Tim Tebow. Over 12 and a half plus 140, under 12 and a half minus 177. What do you think? What say you? Wow, 12 and a half for the entire season. Yeesh. Um, Basically, possibly one catch here we're talking about. 12 and a half, one catch maybe. Um, I'm going to say no, Jason, because I honestly do not think that Tim Tebow is going to make this final 53. I And it's not me being a hater. Please don't misinterpret. It's the fact that Tim Tebow has not played a snap in the NFL since, I think we said 2015 or 2016. He has not been in the league in almost six years. Yeah, he is in phenomenal shape. He might even be in football shape. But this is a position that I don't think he has played probably at the very earliest since high school or since he was a kid. Um... So not only does he have to get back into football shape and get adjusted to training camp and taking hits, but he has to get adjusted to taking hits at a position that, quite honestly, he has no idea how to play even at the college level, let alone the NFL level. Um, And going into camp, there's five other guys on the Jags roster for tight ends, and I know I looked at the names, they're not all that impressive, but at least they have played tight end before at a high level. Tim Tebow has not. So I'm going to take the under on the assumption that I don't even think he ends up making the final uh, 53-man roster. I'm going the other way here for a number of reasons. I'm going to say yes, the plus 12.5, plus 140. Tim Tebow, you're right, Kev. He has never played tight end. Even as a kid, he was a quarterback. I read his book, and he was there, talked about how from basically the time he could play football, he was a quarterback. So he's got no experience here. But I, I think there's a couple things that are being left out of the Tebow discussion because – Again, a lot of times it just evolves into Tebow lovers and Tebow haters, and I know that's not the case for us. But when you think about this, Tim Tebow, other than his dad coaching this team, 
Tim Tebow's got his number one supporter in Urban Meyer. There's nobody out there who likes Tim Tebow more probably outside of his own family than Urban Meyer and who believes in him. Now, I don't know if he's going to make the roster. It's going to be a long shot. But I do believe if he doesn't make the roster, the Jaguars will offer him the practice squad. And I think Tebow will probably accept that. This is a guy who rode buses in minor league baseball for a few years. He, he's from the Jacksonville area. So why wouldn't he join the practice squad, live probably in where he lives permanently? I don't know if he still lives down there, but I'm sure he's got a house down there. He'd go to work every day and come home and sleep in his own bed at night. And then as the season goes on, you have injuries, you have the team falling out of contention. And then all of a sudden, maybe in week 14, Tim Tebow joins the active roster. And lo and behold, at some point in the game, the ball is chucked at Tim Tebow, and he has a couple of catches, maybe for 15 or 20 yards total. And that goes over the total of 12 and a half. So I'll take a chance and say, yeah, I'll throw 100 on Tebow for the plus 140 return. Not thinking the way most are about this one, saying at some point he gets on the field, probably in garbage time, and he's able to get a catch or two and go over the total. Now, one more here, Kev, with Tim Tebow, because we've got also... The touchdowns for Tim Tebow. And right now it popped up on my screen. <laughs> over, under, half a touchdown for Tim Tebow. Plus 350 on the over, under five, or minus 500 on the under, Kev. I think I know where you're going here. If you don't think he's going to make the team, I doubt you think he gets one touchdown, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, oh God. Um, see, the funny thing is, Jason, is I would actually take the over because if by some miracle he does actually make the roster, then I could see you putting him to use at, in the red zone, like 10, 10 yards and in, five yards and in. That is Tebow time for lack of a better, for lack of a, because I mean, that that's all he did at Florida State is, you know, we, we saw the iconic plays where he would either do the jump pass or he would just do a simple quarterback power. If you want to have something like that, absolutely. I could definitely see him gain on the field a lot more for something like that. Um, so, you know what, a, a, assuming on your scenario that he does manage to make the roster in some way, shape, or form, I'll go ahead and I'll take over over 0.5 touchdowns. Why not? Yeah, why not? At plus 350, I'm with you, too. Again, another thing, too, couldn't you see the Jaguars and Urban Meyer saying the ball's on the half-yard line late in the season? Why are we going to sneak Trevor Lawrence and risk getting him hurt? We'll just sneak Tim Tebow and put him, try and have him plow through the line at the quarterback well, position? Well, I mean, I mean also, that's certainly possible. Well, I mean, also, Trevor Lawrence is also like six foot six, Jason, so if he takes the snap under center and falls directly forward, he could probably, he could probably get the goal line with about two to three yards to <laughs> spare yeah that's true that's true it's always the injury risk you worry about with the quarterback sneaking but we'll we'll yeah it, it, somehow I think if Tim Tebow gets on the field I think it's worth the 350 we'll have to wait and see how he does in training camp and again but if Tim Tebow's ever going to make an NFL roster or play professional sports again uh, this is the time to do it with Urban Meyer because I don't think he'll have a better shot from anybody, including maybe his dad would be the same. And I don't mean that derogatory. I love Tim Tebow, but he's got, you got to have somebody in your corner sometimes in life. And certainly uh, Urban Meyer is in Tim Tebow's corner. Plus Urban Meyer, this segues into our next segment. Because we're going to talk baseball. Urban Meyer is a lot like Tony LaRussa. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. Urban Meyer does it Urban Meyer's way. Don't worry about Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever social media or what the media is saying. 
Urban Meyer does it his way. So if anybody's going to give Tebow a chance, it's Urban. Let's take a break. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. This is State Lines. We'll come back. We'll talk some Major League Baseball divisions right after this. Former White Sox pitcher and announcer Ed Farmer was thrown the biggest curveball of his life when he was told the only thing that could save him was organ donation. My brother Tom, he's the guy that gave me my life back because I was dying. Three more days, I was going to be gone. Ed lived nearly 30 years because of the kidney donation. His legacy will live on through the White Sox and this life-saving program. Join the Illinois Secretary of State's Organ Tissue Donor Registry. I always say heaven knows you can't take them with you. Welcome you back to State Lines. He is Kevin Berger. My name is Jason Gotch. This is where you get the best gambling information out there. So a lot of controversy with the White Sox. And hint, hint, you're not going to hear this very often, but I'm going to make a passionate defense at some point in this segment uh, for Tony LaRusso's managerial skills. So let's throw out the White Sox and the AL Central. Right now, the White Sox have the best record in baseball, despite a lot of controversy going on this week. And the Sox are minus 400 to win the AL Central. The Indians are plus 375. The Royals plus 1,600. The Twinkies plus 1,700. And the Tigers plus 10,000. So, Kev, I turn to you. Uh, The White Sox minus 400. You going to bite there? You going to maybe go somewhere else with that money? I mean, I'm not going to bet it at all, uh, Jason, because I I don't see, and it's not just me being a White Sox fan either, it's the fact of the matter that I don't see anybody else in this division being able to seriously challenge the White Sox over the course of the rest of the season. The Tigers are awful. The Twins are, the Twins' bats have now finally cooled off after two years of basically hitting hitting all the stitches off of every baseball they could. Their bats have finally cooled down. They're missing half their pitching staff. Um, the Royals are just not there yet. And I, and other than Shane Bieber on the Indians, I don't think they really have another great, they, their, their pitching staff isn't what it used to be in Cleveland. But this is the Sox division to lose at this point. Cause I mean, their pitching staff has been fantastic up and down for the most part, especially after last night's uh, performance. I think Lucas Giolito is going to be getting back on track. And the Sox have done this to this point that you said in the pregame, Jason, without two thirds of their starting outfield. Um, Abreu has been out of the has been in and out of the lineup for the last like you know couple days because of uh, what happened uh, two series ago against Kansas City. And at times their bats have been inconsistent, but they're still th- doing this well. So I'm not going to bet this at all because my bet would be on the White Sox, and I'm not about to put down enough money to make minus 400 worth it. All right, so Kev is going to pass here on the White Sox. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to put my money on the White Sox. I, I just think I hate betting such a big number, but I just think this is a free 100 bucks if you want to put the 400 down. I mean, you said it, Kev. The Tigers, Twins, and Royals are terrible. The Indians are okay, but they're not going to win this division. The White Sox are the best team. And, and I'll get Kev here because I think he disagrees with me on Tony La Russa, but I'm going to make my case here. Look, to me, Tony La Russa is the American League Manager of the Year. I don't care how many people on Twitter or Facebook or in the media endorse the group think that Tony La Russa is the worst thing ever to happen to the White Sox. You look at the White Sox right now, they have the fourth most errors in Major League Baseball. They have the second worst fielding percentage in all of Major League Baseball. Only the Angels are worse. They've lost two-thirds of their starting outfield. Lucas Giolito, other than that game against the Twins earlier this week, he was very good. He's got an ERA of four and a half. He's been bad. And the White Sox got the best record in baseball. 
A lot of that has to do with the players, but also a lot has to do with the manager. I mean, he's juggling a lineup that he didn't expect to have to juggle because he thought Robert and uh, Jimenez were going to be in the uh, – Eloy was going to be in the lineup for the season, and he gets hurt. So uh, you look at LaRusso, he's done a good job, no matter what you think about what happened in Minnesota. And I don't see the big controversy with that either. The, the problem is Yermin decided to ignore a, a, a take sign, and you can't ignore the manager, even if you think he can hit the ball to Winnipeg for Minneapolis – the problem becomes if that's a playoff game and it's 3-0 and he wants to take Larusa and Yermin pops one up to the shortstop and that's the difference in them losing that game, that's going to be a problem. So I think that controversy is really about a whole lot of nothing. And I think overall Tony's done a real good job. I just laugh when people want him fired. How do you fire a guy who's, who's had those many things against him and what does the guy do? He's got the team with the best record in baseball. This would be a different story if the White Sox were one of the worst teams in baseball. Then you could have that conversation. But uh, I am a big believer in don't fix what ain't broken. So I'll take the White Sox. I'll lay the 400 bucks to win an additional 100. And I'll think LaRusse, I do think LaRusse, just based on the evidence, is doing a good job. Now, Kev, you're welcome to counter because you're a Sox fan. And I know there are some Sox fans who are certainly not with me on this one. Well, Jason, I don't think anything you you said necessarily is wrong. I do think that Tony Larusa has done a pretty solid job for the most part. Has he had his slip ups? Yes, and the um, I know the biggest point that everyone always brings at right away is um, a couple weeks ago when he didn't know that he could have used Jose Abreu as a pinch runner and extra innings and that sort of thing. And people are like, oh, well, this shows how out of touch of the game he is, which I do think to an extent. Tony Larusa is out of touch. However, to, in his defense, um, he's not the only coach in that clubhouse. What about the bench coaches and the other coaches? They have a responsibility to tell him that as well. Why I think the White Sox fans are so irritated, Jason, and myself included, is why did you hire Tony Larusa now? That that is the problem. Is you had this man twenty five years ago. And you hired your broadcaster to be your GM, and because he didn't like him, he fired him. That, I think, is the problem. It's not that Tony LaRusse is a bad manager. It's the fact that you hired him way too late in his career to do it. Now, I think he has done a pretty solid job, because if nothing else, then the players can rally behind, well, we might not necessarily like him, but guess what? All of us don't like him <laughs> at that point. It's like, your coach is your coach. He doesn't have to be your friend. That, that's I know that's a very old-school philosophy. I'm your coach. I'm your boss. I don't have to be your friend. Do I agree with everything he does? Absolutely not. I, st I still think that sometimes he can come off as delusional. I don't think that it's great that he supports throwing at his own guy because at the end of the day, you still have to have your own players back. Um, and I don't – and I understand where you're coming from, Jason, that you can't blow off the manager if he wants a take sign – but at the same time as a White Sox fan, Jason, the Twins have been the bane of our existence in this division for almost my entire life. We're going on 25 years at this point. If they want to be down 15-4 to four and you have a rookie catcher throwing lollipops at 45 miles an hour in the zone, guess what? At the end of the day, that's your own fault for being down 15-4. to four. That's your own fault at that point. I have no sympathy for it because... I'm sure there's a lot of other teams in baseball who would have done the exact same thing that your main Mercedes did. And I don't expect him to apologize for it, and I don't need him to apologize for it. 
Because he didn't well, do I, anything wrong, in my opinion. Well, well see, here's the thing. I, I, I'm not feeling sorry for the Minnesota Twins either. That's their problem if they lose 15 to four, 16 to four. My point is, you got to listen to the manager. I mean, even if you don't like it, you got to do it. If he gives you the take sign, I understand the fans' perspective. You'd like to see the Twinkies lose 100 to four to the White Sox, and and I would too if I was a White Sox fan. But if the manager tells you to take, that's you have to have that discipline because if. People are just going to blow off the manager. Then there's no point to having the manager. Then he doesn't. He won't have the respect of those guys in the clubhouse. And the funny thing here is that I think they actually do respect Larusa. And you talk to you, you hear about guys who were at the Cardinals and for with Larusa. And look, they might not love him, but they they seem to all respect him. Albert Pujols starting with it, Pujols, and they talk about you know the the guy ran a good clubhouse. And you know there's a picture of Tony yesterday after the game smiling on the airplane and. I just think this is a whole lot of nothing because of their record, too. And, you know, I, I understand that you're right, Kev. Look, they should not have promoted Hawk Harrelson in the mid-'80s. They should not have fired LaRusa. But the hiring has worked out so far. Again, the, the name of the game is not to, you know, impress the Twitter crowd or the Facebook crowd yep. or the talk radio crowd. It's to win, and they're winning. So uh, in, until they start losing, as a White Sox fan, hey, just enjoy the ride. It, full disclosure, Jason Gotch is a Cubs fan. It's kind of rough right now. I wish I was in the same position with Tony LaRusse having arguments with players <laughs> and they were the best team in baseball. Would be That would make me feel real good, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Let's go over to the National League Central now, Kev, and let's talk about the odds oh. here. Cardinals are minus 112. Brewers are plus 160. Cubs are plus 800. Reds are plus 900. The Battle in Buccos plus 10,000, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Mike Schilt's team... In first place right now, the Brewers and Cubs kind of knocking on the door, too. What do you think? Um, Oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. You know what? I'll take the plus 800 on the Cubs, Jason. Just, just because, at least with the Cubs, I know what I'm getting. I don't claim to know a lot about the Reds or the Brewers, so I'm not even going to try. Um, at least the Cubs, I know what I'm getting. And... The, the biggest X factor, Jason, is what is their pitching going to look like? Because outside of Jake area, Kyle Hendricks was supposed to be your um, was supposed to be your ace at this point, and he has not lived up to it. I know you got Jake Arietta and Jake Arietta, he he he's solid, but other than that, I seriously couldn't name you a whole heck of a lot of the other guys they have on their starting staff. And now it's kind of it's kind of funny, Jason, looking at it from an uh, outsider's perspective. The Cubs' biggest problems have now flipped. Before they didn't have, they had a good starting rotation, and then their bullpen was terrible. Now their bullpen is good, and their starting rotation is suspect. And they still have issues at the plate sometimes. And what is their health going to look like? That's the other biggest problem: is are they going to stay healthy? Yeah, the Cubs have some issues, like you said there. And you look at, I mean, you think about what's going on with these other teams in the division. I don't think the Cubs are a horrible bet. The thing that does scare me, though, is the starting pitching. The lineup's pretty good. The problem is the pitching, especially that starting rotation. You don't know what you're going to get out of them. I like the Brewers a little bit because they're only hitting about 210 as a team, and they're still right in the thick of it. But if I had to bet this, I'm going with the Cardinals. Look, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are really good. Yadier Molina is still good, and he's you know he's ancient behind the plate, but he's still good. Cardinals <laughs> pitching's pretty good. I, I mean, it's the best of a bad lot here. I would lay the money minus 112 to win an additional hundred on the Cardinals. That would be my bet on this one. I, you know, it's it's a hard one too because this I, I would throw out the Reds and the Pirates though. I don't believe in those teams. I think it's the car the Cardinals, the Brewers, or the Cubs. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take the Cardinals, even though look the Cubs are tempting at eight to one. You can lay you know fifty bucks on that and win an additional four hundred. 
that would be pretty uh, darn good to do. So Kev's going Cubs. I'm going Cardinals. Real quick, before we get out of here, let's go ahead and take a look at the league winners this year in Major League Baseball. So you got the White Sox. Let me go through this real quick. Got the White Sox plus 300, Yankees plus 325, Astros plus 700, Blue Jays plus 750. Wow. A's are plus 800. I'm Ooh. surprised by the Blue Jays too. A's are plus 800, Rays plus 800, the Red Sox plus 850. And then you go to the Indians at plus 1,900. Then we get to the long shots, Angels plus 2,800, Twinkies plus 3,300. And then everybody else is plus 4,000 or worse. So what do you think here? I mean, you, you kind of gave it a while with the Blue Jays is plus 750. I'm kind of there with you on, on that one, Kevin. But maybe that's a sleeper. Anything standing out for you here as we approach the – one of those traditional points in the season you look at, the Memorial Day weekend, you know, you're yep. a third of the way in, and you start to analyze these teams and separate contenders from pretenders. Um, well, um, Jason, I mean, I would go surefire as I would, again, I would throw my money on the White Sox because especially assuming that at least Luis Robert is healthy, is, uh, is coming along the way he's supposed to, um, Eloy, guess what? Honestly, Jason, that's going to be a whole other argument in itself when Eloy Jimenez comes back is, is there even a place for him in the lineup with how good a production the White Sox have been getting offensively. They almost don't even need him, and his um, ability to field the ball in left field is, uh, we'll say, leave something to be desired. We'll we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but honestly, I the, the Blue Jays do surprise me at 750. That looks like a decent one. And honestly, Jason, the Astros at plus 700. And I know they've been the biggest controversy in baseball for the last two seasons because of the whole... Um, stealing signs and uh, the trash can thing where everyone's, you know, the people are bringing inflatable trash cans to the stadiums and throwing them out on the field and that sort of thing. But uh, the talent in Houston is undeniable. The talent in Houston's undeniable. Um, and they do have this guy in their starting rotation still called Justin Verlander, who of all the starting pitchers in, in baseball right now, if uh, I'm in a playoff game, if I'm in a game seven and I have a must win, other than possibly Clayton Kershaw, I'm going to be giving the ball to Justin Verlander and hoping for the best. So I would take any one of those three. But uh, Astros for me at plus 700 uh, look pretty uh, look pretty enticing at plus 700. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Astros. I like the way you're thinking on this one, Kevin. You kind of took the words out of my mouth. I mean, you look the Astros lineup's unbelievable. Their pitching's good enough. And aren't we just setting up for an American League Championship Series of Tony La Russa versus Dusty Baker? Does, yep. I mean, we're, we're going to go back to like the early rematch, 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 rematch of the 05 World Series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is uh, one of those where, yeah, rematch of the 05. Now the Astros are in the over the American League, of course. Yeah, but I, I could totally see this. And and some tells me the Astros win that series. And then all you're going to hear about all offseason is should Tony La Russa be fired, even though the White Sox are probably at like 98 wins. And he won't be because this is very similar to Tim Tebow with Urban Meyer, except that La Russa is a lot better at what he does than Tebow is what he's done in the NFL. But the the only person who really matters in this whole thing is Jerry Reinsdorf. And the guy's in his 80s, and he doesn't care what anybody thinks either. So he'll keep LaRusso around. Jerry Reinsdorf Tony yeah, he wants to keep his guy around just like Urban wants Tebow down there. I mean, look, uh, much of what life is is who you know. I mean, if, if anybody's denying that, they're living in a dream world because <laughs> you, you, who you know gets you a lot of places, and it's worked for LaRusso this season as well as for uh, Tim Tebow with the Jaguars. But I'm going to go Astros. I'll say Astros plus 700. Now over to the National League. 
Uh, let's do the National League. The the Dodgers are plus 160. The Padres are plus 400. Mets plus 500. Oh, Braves Mets. are plus 1,000. <laughs> Cardinals plus 1,100. Brewers plus 1,300. Phillies plus 1,800. Giants plus 2,000. Cubs plus 2,500. Reds plus 2,500. Then you go Nationals, Marlins, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and Pirates. All those teams are plus 4,000 or higher. If you want to take a flyer on one of those, Kev, I'll give you the exact odds. But uh, what do you think from the realistic chances here? Who do you think is going to win the uh, National League? You, you know what teams... I, I don't know what team could win necessarily, Jason. I mean, everyone's probably going to say the Dodgers, but you know what team I know that nobody in the National League is going to want to play come the end of the season is the Braves. Because, I mean, they got Ronald Acuna Jr. in the outfield, uh, Marcelo Zuna, um, and, I mean, the, the, and the, those are the two big studs, at least, in the field. Um, then, I mean, they have Ian Anderson, who's been having a fantastic season on the mound. Uh, Mike Freed has had a decent year. They got they got a really solid bullpen down there as well. Um, so I would say I would take the Braves a hundred bucks to give me a grand back. Easy for me. All right, Kevin is locked in with the Braves. Pretty good play there, plus a thousand. I'm gonna go Cardinals plus eleven hundred. Look again, the Cardinals always find a way to hang around, and their their starting pitching hasn't been great so far. But Jack Flaherty has been really good. Surprisingly, Adam Wainwright's been pretty good too, and he's. You know, clearly on a one-year contract at this point, he could retire at any time. But they got a veteran core with Arenado and with Goldschmidt. And then you look at, I mean, Paul DeYoung's a pretty good shortstop. And, of course, Yadier Molina behind the plate. Some of those young guys in the outfield are pretty good, too. Guys like Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader. So I'm going to go Cardinals plus 1,100 to win the National League. And we're going to keep you hanging because... We got another show coming up real soon. We'll do the World Series then, talk more baseball, probably mix in some hoops, and also some football as well. He is Kevin Berger. My name is Jason Gotch. Thanks for joining us for another edition of State Lines, where you get the best gambling information out there. Enjoy your Memorial Day holiday, everybody, and we'll talk to you real soon. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler.